Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard. Our guest this week is Scott Hamilton. Yes, that's Scott Hamilton, Olympic champion Scott Hamilton. We are going to talk about his lifelong battle with cancer, his victory over cancer, uh, also how he created the, the Scott Hamilton Cares Foundation, and his newest project, which is a platform for encouragement and uh, and hope that I think you guys will all really enjoy, and you're going to hear about how he decided to start it. It's called Live Your Days. Uh, I'm really, really excited to bring this to you. He and John go back a, a, a long way. He talks about the impact of his faith on his cancer journey. So just just if you uh, know somebody that's going through a cancer treatment situation right now, or you are, this uh, I, I just want to encourage you to listen to this. I think you'll find it very encouraging as you, as you deal with that. So here we go. Uh, Scott Hamilton coming up in a second. I'm also going to give you two quick pieces of intelligence to share with your friends. But first, a couple words from our sponsors, including Rocket Mortgage. The Intelligence for Your Life podcast is presented by Rocket Mortgage. Home loans that fit your life, Rocket can. All right, folks, once again, thank you to our sponsors, including Rocket Mortgage. Coming up, that interview with Scott Hamilton. But first, a couple of quick pieces of intelligence. Here's a little bright spot in the news. 2020 may go down as the year with the fewest deaths from lightning strikes. Only 14 people have died from lightning strikes in the U.S. so far this year. And because peak lightning season in the Northern Hemisphere takes place during the summer, well, the worst is likely over. So why are there fewer people being struck by lightning this year? We've stayed indoors more than ever, obviously. And over half of lightning strikes happen while people are enjoying outdoor activities like lying on the beach, which I had no idea was the reason. And with a lot of beaches closed this summer, fewer people were in the line of fire, so to speak. There's also been less lightning in general this year because over 40% of the country is experiencing drought conditions. So uh, silver lining to some pretty horrible news, uh, fewer lightning strikes. If you want to remember facts like, you know, that this is the year with the fewest lightning strikes, or you have to remember someone's name, here's how you do it. You need to write the information down by hand. We've talked before about the benefits of handwriting, but a new study from Norwegian University of Science and Technology confirms we really do remember more when we write by hand compared to typing on a device. For this new study, researchers measured electrical activity in the brains of adults and children as they took a test. Some participants took the test online, while others wrote their responses using a pen and paper. The result, those who took the test by hand showed significantly more activity in the sensory motor parts of the brain, which are the areas linked to our movement and attention. Lead researcher Audrey Vandermeer says, think of your brain as a blank wall with lots of space for hanging memories. The key is to have more hooks for hanging your memories. And when you write by hand, you trigger more sensory hooks for memories to latch onto. Vandermeer says the upshot is that whatever you write by hand, you'll remember much more than if you type the same information on a keyboard. All right, folks, there's your two quick bits of intelligence. And now my interview with Olympic champion Scott Hamilton. Scott Hamilton, I mean, legend. You just, uh, you know, you, uh, figure skating legend, you're, you're amazing. Also, uh, we have a lot of, we have, obviously with John Tesh in common. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of the show with us today. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. This is fun. John uh, and I have a long history. Yeah, you were saying before <laughs> we even started that he was your first broadcast partner. And obviously like, you know, yeah, very- CBS. That's amazing. Well, and if you know anything about John, he's like six five or what six six. Right, right. And right. so when we would do like the stand up mm -hmm. before, like I came up to his elbow, <laughs> so he'd have to sit in a chair while we did our setup of the competition. It was very funny, and uh, 
yeah, I learned a lot from him. He was super patient with me and, and, uh, you know, he, he was just a great friend and partner and, and we stayed in touch for a while. I, I, uh, last time I saw him, we were in New York and, uh, Clint Black and I were having dinner while we were shooting Apprentice and we ran into, uh, John and his, all his radio listeners and this, and, you know, for a big promotional thing. And it was really great to see That's him again. Awesome. A lot, a lot of travel, a lot of history, a lot of laughs. Um, yeah, he's a good man. Well, you know what's what's funny is he is huge physically, and um, and they put him on sports that are notoriously populated by, you know, this football players, basketball players. They're you know they're they're big. They're they're over six three, and they're you know a couple hundred pounds. Like they're all they're all big. But you, you, you get to figure skaters and gymnasts. The athletes are, you know, four eleven to five five seven. That's not. That's a, you're, you're putting yeah. yourself in a in, in a different kind of company. That's <laughs> true. And when you know, it's it's like there's no way in the world that you know that you have to be able to ask the question and they get the microphone all the way down to the person <laughs> that you're talking to. It's a it's a really interesting you know practice of making that happen and, and doing it in real time. Now our interview person is um, Andrea Joyce and she's about five, two. So it, it works out perfectly. Works but, out yeah, perfect. John, John, you know, he did like tour de France and they lived in the back of the truck and they were doing music, you know, for all the packages and for mm. all the teases and in real time. And um, you know, just his, just all of that. And, and it was funny, David Michaels, who was our producer and director, um, was uh you know he's won more emmys than i think anybody ever it seems and you know he's just so brilliant but he he creates this environment of trust and you know you build uh your skill set you know based in you know him holding you accountable every for every single moment but man he and john i mean they were just like you know both sides of a coin and just really just worked together perfectly mm. and 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 filled each other's uh, gaps. And it was just really, it was just a cool thing to witness. And it was really fun to be a part of that. That's so cool. That's so cool. I mean, that's, that's, that's the stuff of legend. Yeah. David Michaels, uh, I've met him multiple times. He, you know, he directed John's big PBS special. um, Yeah. Red Rock. So like they, you know, and they, and, and um, David Michaels is all in uh, John's book. Um, which, uh, about, you know, it, it, John has the same things that you will have to say about David that, uh, you know, just about what an influence he is on, on his broadcasting life and, and personal life. And yeah, uh, they, they did the tour de France together. They did the, all the CBS sports stuff together. It's crazy. Um, yeah, I, I, I could nerd out with you talking about broadcasting behind the scenes stuff all day. But <laughs> however, however, you know, you have, you, you are a, a cancer survivor. Um, and mm-hmm. I know that that's not your number one thing. I think Olympic champion is probably at the top of your bio. But uh, but cancer survivor is an important part of your life. And you've created a couple of foundations. And most importantly, you've created this this uh, this encouragement platform. And so I, I really want to talk to you. First of all, can you tell us about you know how you got what kind of cancer you had, how you got it, and and what that process was like? Because for athletes, I feel like that's uh, it can be particularly debilitating. Well, I mean, it, it was, I was no stranger to cancer. I, you know, when, um, I was, uh, I guess, uh, I would have been, um, a sophomore in high school. 
my mother came home from a doctor's visit, very upbeat, very, you know, happy, positive and telling us all that she'd just been diagnosed with cancer. And it's her way of telling us without scaring us, you know, and without it becoming, you know, this, this really tragic thing. She, the way she told us was really powerful and the way that she enabled us and, and um, empowered us to really participate in her journey. And, you know, she uh, succumbed two years after that first conversation. And, um, and I, you know, I lost the center of my universe. And so I, I, I became a fundraiser thinking that, you know, as an adopted child, you know, we always wonder, you know, kind of how we got born, why we were born, you know, um, why me, you know, in, in the best mm -hmm. way, why me? But um, so 20 years after I lost her, you know, when I lost her, I, I woke up and I decided to become the person that she always thought I could be. And, and, you know, from very low finishes at the national championships, you know, they, they quickly turned around and became a birth on the Olympic team in 1980. And then four years undefeated. And then I started my professional career. And I guess it was year 13 of my um, professional career that um, I, I just couldn't stand up straight anymore. And I realized that um, something was wrong. I thought I worked myself into an ulcer. But when I went to the emergency room, 50 cities into a 60 city stars and ice tour, um, you know, the doctor there said, I, you know, we, we found a mass and I just, you know, kind of chuckled a little bit and he goes, what's so funny. I go, well, I mean, look at me. Um, I'm like five, nothing. <laughs> you know, use the word mass in description. Of me before. <laughs> and so he, uh, he goes, no, 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 no. This is pretty serious. You gotta, you gotta take this thing seriously. It's either benign, malignant or something else. And it was in that moment, I realized that 20 years after I lost my mom, I was being diagnosed with the same disease and mm. the fear was unbelievable. And I, you don't know how it happens, whether it's five minutes, five seconds or a nanosecond, but that fear quickly like turns into the opposite, you know, emotion of incredible courage and mission and power and mm. authority. And, and you just put your head down and go, I'm just going to get to work. And I went from, you know, just sort of being enveloped in like, I'm, I'm just going to diminish and die and, and all these horrible, nasty things. And then, and then all of a sudden it's like, no, I decide, I choose how I, I'm going to do this thing. And, and I'm going to be, you know, I, 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 I'm coachable. So I'm going to be the best patient they ever had. And I'm going to do, I'm going to do this thing as well as it can be done. And I'm going to be back on tour next year. That's, that's my whole goal is I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to do that. I'm going to be, and put my head down, do the work. And then next year I'll be back on stars and ice tour. And, uh, that was every day. I just thought about getting back, getting back, getting back. And you know, I had four months of chemotherapy. I had testicular cancer. I made it cool before Lance Armstrong. Yeah. Way basically. cooler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it was, you know, four months of chemo. And then, um, uh, it was like, uh, eight hour infusions, five days a week, and then uh, 16 days off, and then eight hour infusions for it. So it was like for that week between the 16 days, it was a full time job of being on chemotherapy. And then I had a big 38 staple surgery, which went from my sternum all the way down my abdomen. Mm. And so, you know, now I had like a seam there, which normally would be very soft and pliable. I had to figure out a way to get that seam moving again the scar tissue to soften and break down so i could do backflips and triples and things like that so you know it's it, you know skating is a core sport now my core was completely different so i had to kind of figure that out mm. and so 
I made it back on the stars and ice tour the, the very next year, cancer free. And, um, you know, I, uh, you know, <laughs> it's wild, you know, and I, I just toured, I went back out and I toured another three years full time. And then, um, I decided to step away and I was going to do something else and I had big plans. And then 9-11 happened and that disrupted, I mean, everything just got shut down and the world was, it had gone crazy, um, you know, due to 9-11. And so I just sort of, uh, tapped the brakes a little bit on, you know, any plans. I just said, I'm just going to see what comes, you know, um, and in the meantime, I'm going to pray for my country. And, and, uh, you know, I, I just, um, uh, decided to, you know, kind of guest with stars cause they lost a huge, um, percentage of their fan base. And, and so I just went back and did a few shows for them just to keep my chops up and, mm. you know, just cause I, I wanted to keep skating. I just didn't want to tour like that. Um, right. That's brutal. It just, yeah. It's long. And, and, you know, I was getting older and it was harder to, to pull it off. And so, um, <laughs> you know, so, uh, I, I got married, we had our first child and, um, and then I, I decided, you know, when, when I saw my son flesh of my own flesh for the very first time in my life, I just knew that this was a miracle, you know, a survivor of testicular cancer. And then, you know, we get engaged, married and pregnant in order. And, um, and, you know, <laughs> and uh, my son is born nine months and two days after our wedding date. And it was kind of like, okay, um, I guess, you know, all these years of physical fitness, you know, really came in. Handy, you know? <laughs> and, and so, yeah, now I'm a dad and I'm on the road going, why am I here? And I want to, I want to see his first steps. I want right. to hear his first words. I want to, I have a unique opportunity after, you know, 20 years of putting my head down, just working really hard to be able to kind of step away and, um, you know, do other things maybe, but I really want to be present for him. Mm -hmm. And so, I saw his first steps and I heard his first words and I, you know, I got to be as close as a mom is, you know, for an infant child, you know, normally it's not that way. You know, most yeah. men are, you know, going to the office and, you know, how things go today. And I was that guy that was there. I was there all day, every yeah. day. And so I got to see that. And then it was, um, when I decided to step away, um, I really felt my physicality change pretty abruptly. And, uh, I realized that I, you know, I always preach to men that they've got to be vigilant with their health. They, you know, they just can't, they're not bulletproof. They're not, you know, too tough to see a doctor. You know, it's not like going to see a doctor, you know, being a wimp or anything else. No, it's like our bodies are incredibly vulnerable to a lot of different things. And the sooner we get to them, the better off we'll be. Right. So yeah. I, you know, I, I, I said, I got to practice what I preach. So I, I went into the clinic um, Cleveland clinic. It was, uh, the day before my, my huge cancer benefit I do every year, we do a, like a live music and skating show at Cleveland with iconic artists. And, and, uh, you know, I, I, I went in and I said, um, something's wrong. I, I don't know something just feels wrong. And they'd done some blood work and they found like I had like no, tr you know, I just trace amounts of testosterone. So they thought that my, my other testicle might bit the bullet and just from the chemo and everything. And that they're just treat me topically and I'd be fine. And I, I wasn't satisfied with that answer. So finally I bothered them enough that they put me in for a head scan and, uh, they found that I had a brain tumor 
They didn't know the, the, the type. They didn't know what it was. They didn't know if it was um, malignant or benign. They didn't know uh, what type of cancer it was or what type of tumor it was. So after a week of trying to diagnose this thing without a biopsy, they decided to go in. It's a very complicated, risky surgery where they have to take a knitting needle, basically, a biopsy needle down through your brain um, to grab a piece of this tumor. And, you know, they were telling me all bad things could have happened. So you could lose memory and motor function. You may lose your ability to speak. You could have a stroke. You could do all these different things, you know, if they nick the wrong blood vessel and all these different things. And so when I woke up from the surgery, um, I, 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 I knew who I was, where I was, why I was there. And I just went, test. Okay. I can speak. (laughs) (laughs) And then my wife came in and then the doctor came in and they, and they were able to diagnose my tumor as one I was actually born with, um, which was really insane. Cause I had a, a four year, like in and out of hospitals from age four to eight of an undiagnosed illness. And we trace it back to that because I had all the symptoms caused by this pituitary brain tumor called a craniopharyngioma um, were, you know, just everything that I had growing up, a lack of growth and development. And um, so we, we pretty much feel like for some weird reason, and it might have been just the fact that I crashed Gary Walker's bike into a telephone pole on his birthday, and I might have hit my head hard enough to kill this tumor for all the time that I skated, but who knows? <laughs> you know, that, that, wouldn't that be ironic, things. like a childhood thing like that versus all of the times that you fell hard on frozen water? <laughs> I know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah, I remember that because I was really, it, I, I hit that my forehead and I was seeing double um, and where this tumor presents itself, you know, pushes up against the optic nerve and, and all that. So I, you know, who knows, but, um, anyway, so they treated me with radiation, which basically meant that they, um, a gamma knife, which it puts, it's 200 points of radiation that culminate on the tumor itself. So it's low dose everywhere, high dose where, right where the tumor is. So they were able to, uh, radiate it, um, and, uh, and I went back to life and uh, I skated again. I went back, uh, five years later, I went back and decided I was going to skate in the 10th anniversary and my big benefit. And I trained for the whole year and I even started working on backflip, you know, at 51 years old, which is kind of stupid. Um, but I did it anyway. And, um, and so I, I, I was able to skate in that show and, and it was, um, right after that, um, that I, I, I tore my shoulder up. I, I caught an edge and I went flying and I landed and totally just I tore everything in my right shoulder and then, um, got that operated on. And then in my recovery of that, I realized that my vision was changing and I'm like, Oh no. So the tumor came back. And so, um, I had surgery, surgery didn't go as, as well as it could have. And that turned into nine more surgeries. Oh my gosh! Um, that year, so I had a total of ten surgeries that that 2010, and then I was able to, you know, kind of get to the end of that episode. Um, you know, a little dinged up and a little lesser for the wear, but still able to get through it. And then um, six years later, it came back, and this time it felt totally different. Um, this time it felt like. Um, 
you know, I, 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 you know, they're giving me all the options that, you know, I can't do radiation because I'd lose my sight. Um, it's too much, you know, radiation for that area. I can't, you know, I, I can, there's a new medical option where they can shrink the tumor, but it comes to the laundry list of side effects. Mm-hmm. And then there's surgery, they can do the surgery again. And all I'm really hearing is blah, 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 blah. Right. Because, like, the, like the parents in Charlie Brown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, all I kept, you know, in the back, in my mind, all I kept hearing and feeling was get strong just get strong. And I didn't know what that meant. And so, um, I don't know if it meant physical, emotional, um, you know, intellectual or, or or spiritual. So I just sort of chose all, all the above E (laughs) and, um, and for the last four years, I've been watching this tumor grow and shrink and shrink and grow and shrink and grow and shrink. And no one really knows why it does it. Um, but, um, you know, I just been, get, you know, staying as strong as I can be in every possible way. And, and it was right after the diagnosis, um, that, uh, you know, because of my, again, my hobby of collecting life threatening illness, um, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, we, we kind of had to get the word out and I kind of wanted to get the word out because I love being on prayer chains, you know, mm-hmm. it's just part of my faith that if, you know, um, if, if enough people pray for me, I'm going to be okay. Right. I just mm-hmm. thought that way always. So I did this people.com interview. Um, and I just thought, okay, that's all I'm going to do. And it was viewed 35 million times. Wow. And I'm like, what in the world? And it was just kind of the way, um, I talked about, well, how do you tell your children? I go, well, you know, and when I get home, my son will say, is your brain tumor back? And I'll say, yes, it is. <laughs> it's, <Yeah. back. laughs> it's like, you know, but it's like how I respond to things kind of sets the tone for how everybody is going to be able to um, participate in it. Right. So it's kind of like what my mom did and I have cancer and it's going to be, mm. you know, and, and she was amazing. Um, she really taught me how to go through mine, uh, you know, when I had my cancer. And so, you know, there's brain tumor number three and I do this interview and basically in the interview, you know, I, you know, um, I just talk about how we deal with stuff. And out of that came this idea, um, that was live your days. And it was basically the idea that our bodies are, uh, incredibly, um, vulnerable to a lot of different things. They're also incredibly, um, resilient um, but ultimately temporary, <laughs> right? Right, so, right. Knowing that, how do we participate? And how do we like? How do we allow that to be our kind of our daily mantra of you know our days are you know we only have a certain amount, so we might as well make them count, right? Right. And let's just put. So we we came up with this idea back then, and I just I didn't feel like it was the right time. I, I, there was something about it where I go, I love it. I love everything about it. I just don't know if it's the right time. And so, um, uh, I, we just sort of put, you know, put it on a shelf. Mm-hmm. And then when in the second month of the COVID lockdowns, I got a call from my partners in this endeavor, live your days. And they just basically said now. And I, and I, I, I yeah, I think now it's a really important time to, you know, pour into people and to create a platform of positivity by choice. And, right. and 
understanding that, you know, um, today is one of your days, right? You know, no matter what we're, you know, we're up against, no matter what, you know, kind of fear or whatever, you know, whatever we have to do today is one of our days. Let's make it count. Right. And it's a, you know, I call it a digital encouragement platform, but it really is, you know, just sort of that reminder. It's beyond a pep talk. You know, it's a reminder that, you know, and I've been reminded on too many occasions, you know, that my days are numbered right. and limited. And, and so it's just, no, I choose, I choose joy. I choose, um, I choose to, you know, look at everything in a really positive way. And, and, you know, some things I get frustrated with like anyone else. And right. of course, you know, it's part of the dance, you know, you're some things, you know, you're going to have anger, you're going to have, you know, all those things, but you know, you, you, your main overarching thing is, you know, today's an opportunity to do some really cool stuff. And so in building the live your platform, um, it's a, you know, it's a podcast. It's uh, uh, you know, we have a 30 day challenge, which is really fun. I'm doing it. And it's been really, it's like, there's nothing about this 30 day challenge that says run a marathon. <laughs> no, what, not- what is the 30 day challenge then? It's like, you know, the first day, um, and you know, it's a, I don't want to give a lot away because it's really fun. It's almost like opening a Christmas present each day. The mm. first day is name three things you're most grateful for. Oh, and why. I love that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I, you know, and it's just sort of re- to remind you that there is quality and joy and beauty in your life. And mm-hmm. that's where we need to put our focus. That's where we need to put uh, our efforts. And that's where we, we have to remind ourselves of that sometimes because there is so much toxicity in the world that sure. how do we rise above all of it? And it's, it's by choosing to do so really. I mean, it's that simple, you know, you know, and, and for me, it's like, um, I was born eight twenty eight nineteen fifty eight, 1958. Right. So I, eights have been everywhere in my life. Like I did figure eights, you know, uh-huh. when I competed in ice skating and, Every time I see an eight, Kobe? I know I'm going to be okay. It's kind of like a God wink. Yeah, Kobe was seven, though, I think, when he first no, came. He, he was eight yeah. and 24. Those are his two numbers. Eight and 24. Yeah. Eight. Two times four equals eight. Yeah. So, yeah, Kobe. Kobe's awesome. You know, But it was like one of those things where every time I saw an eight, I go, I think I'm going to be okay here. And um, it was really um, wild. I'm trying to think of exactly where I got on the eight thing. But, um, you know, I, I just, I, I, you know, I look at, all of those things and every now and then like oh yes i was um as part of like a live your day thing for me it was you know i just make somebody's day right just do whatever you can to make somebody's day so i i noticed cancer patients because i was one and and i'm behind line at the supermarket a lady was wearing a turban because she obviously lost all her hair and she was going through chemo and um you know in my spirit it just said you know you should offer to pick up her groceries and just you know, support her in that way. And okay. So I, I, I said, ma'am, I'd really love, cause I'm a cancer survivor and, and, uh, I'd really love to support you. And by picking up your groceries, it would really bless me if I could do that. And she said, no, it's okay. And I go, really, it would truly bless me to be able to do that. And she said, well, I'm okay. And so I paid for her grocery and, and mine. And the total was $88 and 80 cents. Uh, <laughs> and uh. I thought, there it is, you know, yeah. there it is it's like a reminder that, you know, it's, it's, we're not alone in any of this, you know? And so when we, when we're building you know, the understanding of what living your days means, it's, it's going back to that, 
brain tumor diagnosis get strong? Right. Well, is it physical, emotional, intellectual, or spiritual? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's, it's the, the foundation of your life is built on those four pillars, right? Yeah. Whether we yeah. whether we recognize it or not, and if you're missing one of those pillars, it's like, you know, if your if your physical health is off, or if you're, um, you know, you're emotionally you're you know you're not healthy, and if or if intellectually you're not interested, or spiritually you know you just you don't have that in your life for whatever reason. If any of those pillars are missing that hold up the foundation of your strength and joy. It'd be like sitting on a three-legged chair, you know. It's right. not going to end well. And, well, and those you know? those four pillars are reflected in a lot of different traditions and a lot of different faith traditions. So even in like secular philosophy, uh, Aristotle talks about training your body, training your mind. Talks about uh, you know t- talks about your need to connect to the world, to, to connect to nature and and you know uh, higher powers in that sense. Um, and then also, you know, having a social network. And in scripture, you have Jesus with uh, with. Jesus gained in wisdom, stature, and in favor with God and man. So you have these like these different places where those four things in all of human history are repeated as ways that we need to grow and the importance of them that we that we then stand on. Um, and it, it's yeah. it's it's uh, when you when you start to recognize them, you start to see how uh, ubiquitous they they truly are. You know, they, and and again, and with each one as they as they grow in strength. I get, oh my goodness, the, the way, you know, we feel, you know, it's like, um, when I get done with a workout, like I just did, you know, those endorphins kick in and I'm kind of like, you know, bliss. Mm -hmm. And then when I, when I, you know, I understand, you know, kind of like, you know, I, I had, um, this really wild thing happen in, in a business dealing where I, I was able to recognize a situation normally that I would run from. And I, I was able to stay calm in it. And I realized that I am like, wow, this, like I've come a long way. Right, <laughs> you know, right, that right. I'm able to be aware, to be in the moment, to, to not lose myself in this moment, to be able to be present and to be, have power in this moment is like, thank you. It's like after all this time and, you know, just the idea of I can read, the more I can understand the world we live in, the more I can understand other people's points of view and and it just you know the intellectual side of it is just so powerful but you know for me my spiritual journey has been beyond um like anything i ever would have anticipated Mm -hmm. i always had a a belief i just didn't know what the rules of the game were Mm -hmm. and the day that i found out i had my brain tumor um i had to tell my wife and son who were arriving that day and Tracy just said, "What what's going on?" I go, "I have a brain tumor." I didn't know, I didn't, you know, how else do you say it? Just say it, right? Yeah, right. And <laughs> no way without, to catch that. No, without skipping a beat. I mean, yeah. there wasn't even a, a moment of hesitation. She just grabbed both of my hands and she started to pray. And it was simply, and I've had a lot of big moments in my life. That was by far the most powerful moment I've ever had because mm. when I was at my lowest, um, and when I was at my most fearful there was a place to take all of it of, of power and authority. And I was like, yes, I get it now. I, I get it now. And, and even, you know, throughout my, my faith journey, I've always tried to lead with gratitude. Mm-hmm. And I was, you know, after my, um, I guess it was around my sixth or seventh, uh, sur- you know, surgery procedure, um, in 2010 for my brain tumor, 
I was sitting in my um, hospital room and, and, you know, ICU, neuro ICU, they, they pretty much wake up every 15 minutes to see mm. if you're still alive or something. You know? How's that brain working? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're still here. Okay, good. Um, so I was sitting in there and it was like, um, I, you know, this nurse came in and I still don't know if it was a human or an angel, but she just, um, I was just sort of, you know, just my eyes closed, just sort of praying in gratitude, you know, thanks for getting me through this. Thanks for, you know, just each and every opportunity I have to love my family, you know, and she, you know, this morning, the nurse came in and she goes, what are you, hi, oh, were you, did I interrupt anything? I go, oh no, I was just praying. She goes, oh, you like to pray. <laughs> she, I go, yeah. And she goes, so do I, I really like to pray. And and when you pray, how, what do you pray for? And I said, well, I just, I pray in gratitude. I lead with gratitude. You know, I, I don't, I don't really, want, I, I've been given so much. I just, I just feel it'd be odd to ask for anything. And she goes, oh, that's very interesting. Who's God to you? And I'm like, talk to this nurse, you know, and it's in a really cool way. She had an interesting accent, a way about her. And I go, I guess, I guess God is my father. And she goes, oh, are you a father? And I go, I am. And she said, oh, how many children do you have? And I said, I have two. And she said, oh, if one of your children were scared or hurting or at risk, wouldn't you want them to come to you? And it literally knocked me down. It was like, yeah. So I now pray differently than I did before. Mm. I pray with, uh, you know, I, I, I plead for my health. I plead for uh, the health of my family. I, I, you know, I pray for peace in this world. I, I pray that, you know, for, um, you know, in every possible situation you can imagine, I pray. I just pray constantly for something. And um, it really has changed my life for the better. Uh, and I'm really grateful for that nurse or angel or whatever that was, you know, mm-hmm. because it, it definitely, um, it was a fork in the road. And uh, as Yogi Berra would say, I took it, you know, it was just uh, thank you for that. Because again, you know, anytime that we can uh, inject power into our lives, you know, because we always feel so uh, vulnerable again you know going back to the original the vulnerability and the fragility of this life and the unpredictability of it you know but also how powerful we are you know we're just powerful and and you know we can do these things but ultimately we we have a certain amount or number of days and we've got to be intentional and how and present in how we live them so you know the tagline for live your days is we don't get to choose how many days we have in this world we we just get to choose how we live them. Yeah. And I really want to remind people of that, you know, and and we've got a store and we got all those things just to kind of create, you know, kind of branding for the movement, you know, right. and and to inject positivity in the storm is really, you know, to me the best thing I can do right now. I mean, so there, there, the, there's this um, saying in Stoic philosophy that I love. It's memento mori, uh, which means remember death, remember you will die. And a lot of people tell me that that's very morbid. Like my wife says, that's a really morbid way of looking at things. And, and it's not meant to be. Right. It seems it because the word Mori is in there. And a lot of times they use like skull symbolism. But it's meant to be refreshing and freeing to know that like, look, whatever you're worrying about right now, eventually all of this will end. All of your worries will end. And you're going to look back, you know, with that sort of with a, with a, with a deathbed realization of what did I do with my life? How did I spend it? And, yeah. and it's meant to remind you. And by the way, 
I don't know if I know another person that has uh, gone to as, uh, as high highs and as low lows as you have and who has had to face the reality of, of, of being reminded of your mortality oh, as often as you I have. Met a guy, I met a guy named Greg Murtha a few years ago. Um, you know, I'm Forrest Gump. I'll just say it. You know, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, my first broadcast partner was John Tesh. You know, it's like, um, you know, I was having um, uh, lunch with Jay Sekulow. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, president's lawyer. Yeah. And he lives really yeah. close by. And it's just a really interesting, you know, friendship. We, we kind of build it just very much, you know, real life stuff. And and he goes, I want you to meet a friend of mine. And I go, okay. And so he introduced me to Greg Murtha. And uh, Greg was going through, he's setting a record for the amount of chemotherapy his particular cancer had. He goes, yeah, it's a new record. I'm at 75 chemos right now. Wow. And it's a record. And, you know, um, he goes, don't, don't, don't be put off by the way I look. You know, it's, it, the chemo kills some of the bacteria that kind of allows my face to present itself normally. So, you know, this is just a side effect of it. You know, we just, we, we had lunch together. We were sitting there for over two hours. Just, you know, I was just so inspired by this guy and I got word that he was um, pretty much, you know, right on the edge of hospice um, at Vanderbilt hospital. So I went to see him and his, you know, he went into um, pneumonia and he was having a hard time breathing, but, I was in there with his wife and his son and he would, he was, he had an oxygen mask on and then he'd pull it over to the side and he goes, I'm so excited. I'm so, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And I go, what are you excited about? And he goes, I, I any, any moment I'll get to be um, with Jesus. I can't, mm. I am, I can't wait. And I was like, I want to be you. <laughs> That's who I want to be, you know? And, and in my last moments, I want to be Greg Murtha. I want to be that guy that is so excited about the next that, mm -hmm. you know, it's like I, I have no fear and no anxiety and no dread for the present. It's like, no, it's like I'm, I'm in, in anticipation, you know, and, and a lot of people, you know, I meet, you know, it's, you know, they, when they want me to, you know, kind of prove my faith or, you know, get me into apologetics or whatever that is. It, I just, you know, I go, honestly, you know, I, I had a moment over Memorial Day um, where my body just shut down and I thought I was going to die. And um, and I was OK with that. I just for whatever reason, I was at peace and it was OK. And I think that I never would have had that had I not really invested in my faith and really just sort of accepted um, the Lord into my heart. And, you know, and, you know, it's it's like people say, don't talk about politics or religion. It's like, well. I have to talk about religion, right. not religion, but our relationship, right? right. Our, you know, our relationship with, you know, someone who gave it all for us. You know, we can't imagine, you know, you know, wonder how many people saw Passion of the Christ, you know, and how well done that was. But that was it. You know, he paid the ultimate, ultimate price in a way that we can't even imagine to redeem us. And it's like, I'm, I'm hanging my hat on that, yeah. you know, way more than anything in this world that goes away, you know, it's, it's every single thing we own someday will be in a junkyard, <laughs> you know, it's like that, you know, it's like what we have is who we are and how we leverage that to others and, and to, um, you know, just create a better environment in our, in our world. Yeah. Hope. Yeah. And, and so I guess, <laughs> Uh, that is that is just so beautiful. The site is Live Your Days. If you guys want to feel that message of hope, if you guys want to connect with Scott, uh, it's liveyourdays.com. You can, 
Yeah, you can see the importance of this perspective. You can see the uh, encouragement and the uh, this attitude, which I, you know, I, I, how do I put this? It's a contagious attitude, right? Uh, what yeah. what you put out Thank there, you. and you know whether whatever quantum state or whatever you want, however you want to reference it, like the way that you put that out there, that positivity and that perspective, it is it's contagious, and and when you're around that. You want to have that joy, and I, I, I so genuinely believe that. Like the more hope and joy you put out in the world, the more hope and joy you will receive, and the more hope and joy you will, you know, that it comes back to you. And so that's such a beautiful thing. And I, I, you know, none of you have set the record for the most chemotherapies if you're listening to this right now, because because <laughs> that was Greg. So, yeah. uh, so you, you know, there's, there's, there is plenty of space for you to find joy. And I think we all just need a sliver of this right now. So again, that website, and I'll put a link to it in the show notes, liveyourdays.com. You guys can check it out uh, and, and begin to embody the philosophy that, um, I mean, I, I think I asked you three questions, Scott, and we've been talking ah! for 40 minutes, <laughs> <laughs> because your passion for this is so, is so clear and it's so... Wow. It's so poignant and and it just oozes out of you and and I think a lot of us would like to have that connection to passion again. I think a lot of us are missing that right now and there's a lot of hopelessness in the world. So well, um, and like our conversation now we have conversations each week with, you know, unique people. Last week was Robin Roberts of Good Morning America mm-hmm. and I you know, in researching her life, I had no idea how incredible um, she has lived her life mm-hmm. and, and it was just the most incredible conversation. And, uh, Michelle who works for me, um, kind of, she's my brain. Um, uh, you know, she was inspired to, uh, donate bone marrow because of Robin Roberts mm. and she saved a life. And it's like, that's the stuff, right? And what do we do with our days? And, and this week I talked to Marcus Whitney, who's this guy I met a couple years ago. He runs a healthcare conference called health further. And, and he's an entrepreneur. And I, I'm like, I'm almost a stalker fan of Marcus Whitney, because I just, there's something about his spirit. There's something about his, his joy and intelligence and his, the power of just putting your head down and answering your calling. It was just like, wow, this guy, more people need to hear this. And, Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, you know, I talked to Kevin Nealon and Bart Millard and uh, Mercy Me and Christy. I love Bart. I love all the guys from Mercy Me. Those guys are fun. Oh, they're awesome. And, you know, Bart and I have just struck up this beautiful friendship. And uh, they're releasing a song, I think, in about four days. And it's awesome. He sent it to me. I can't wait for people to hear it. Um, But, you know, just his story about, you know, broken family, child abuse, Mm -hmm. monster dad. They made a uh, move. They made a movie about it a movie about it. And, um, but it's, it's all of that. I mean, it's all of, you know, the fact that that man who he feared and he hated growing up is the man he wanted to become someday because they redeemed their relationship through Jesus. And it's like, wow. And you just, you you know, you hear their perspectives and you, you know, these conversations are just so rich and powerful that I really hope people, you know, visit the site and, get involved and, you know, take a memento to kind of remind them we, you know, we have, uh, journals and t-shirts and hoodies and all that stuff. And all of that, you know, the proceeds from that will benefit my CARES foundation to fund cancer research. So we're all, it's all tied together, right? It's like mm-hmm. the, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. It's like, you know, you know, all of this, we all come together and we celebrate life because yeah. that's what we do. 
Uh, Scott Hamilton, thank you so much. I mean, you know, Olympic champion, life champion. Uh, though again, the website liveyourdays.com. Uh, Scott, I'm gonna ask you two last questions. I'm assuming if people want to follow up with you, liveyourdays.com is the place where you'd like them to start. Or they can go to scotthamilton.com and there's an info thing there. But you know, if they go to Live Your Days, we'd love to know um, how it's impacting people, and mm-hmm. we'd love to hear their stories and 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 recommendations. I do this without ego. I live my life with an open hand and not a clenched fist. You know, yeah. and so, however, you know, we can make it better. However, we can include you know, people's testimonies and, and, um, you know, just you know, rise up or their, their, how they live their days. We'd love to do that. And, and now saying that I have to make sure that they can actually do that on the website. And I know that they can leave a message at info at scotthamilton.com, but, um, please join us. Scottcares.org is the, um, the cancer website, you know, 60% of nonprofits, I think have had to shutter their doors. Yeah. Um, due to COVID and, uh, we've been, we've been fiscally re- really super risky responsible and we're small enough that we were able to survive and we're still doing the work. So we'd love for people to join us because as much as we've heard all these numbers of COVID-19, 1,660 people a day are dying of cancer in this country. Mm -hmm. Do the Mm -hmm. math. So, you know, it's, it's, and that's every year, you know, so we, we've got to get better at, at treating cancer. And, and for me, it's, you know, igniting the body's own immune system to fight the cancer. That's to me, that's what's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, uh, yeah, so I, I agree 100%. And I think uh, I'll put a link to the scotthamilton.com uh, website as well as uh, to the Scott Cares Foundation uh, in there. And one last thing, and I ask it to everybody mm-hmm. uh, what is one thing we can all start doing today that will make our lives a whole lot better? You know, uh, reaching out to those who are in need. Mm. You know, it just makes our lives better in theirs. You know, we're in this, you know, we live in a community and we're better in community. My coach would always tell me um, a human is a social animal and that it cannot survive without other humans. And the period of our history we're living through right now is we're separated. So let's connect. Let's get together. Let's however we can do it. And especially those that are, you know, the most, um, uh, separated from normal life you know fill them yeah. <laughs> as best you can yeah. you know and to me that's I, you know it the best we can do is always the best we can do and you know even my wife's been to haiti 28 times and in preparation for that trip to haiti you know the poorest was the poorest country in the world when she went now it's the poorest country in the western hemisphere and it's like how do you how do you how do you make a difference and it's, you know, it's the same in Haiti as it is in the United States. If you simply love the person standing directly in front of you, yeah. it's the best you can do. Yeah. And if everybody did that, like, like if spontaneously everybody just loved the person standing right in front of them, the world would change drastically in an instant. Immediately. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, leave with love, you know, and, and, and again, some, sometimes it's hard to do that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just is. But you do it anyway. You know, Bart Millard said in his in his um, podcast, he said, you know, Jesus tells us to love, you know, love others as we love ourselves. And he said, honestly, I think people do that really well. It's just that a lot of people don't love themselves very much. You know? <laughs> I think that's true. I think that's <laughs> really so, true. And that's yeah. it. So, you know, shore yourself up. They tell you to put the mask on your face before that of the child. And 
if we're no good, they're no good. So let's yeah. be good and uh, do the best we can. You know where they got their name for their band? Mercy Me? Yeah. No. They were saying, uh, they were telling, I think his grandmother, that they were that they were starting a band. <laughs> they were going to go on tour like they were going to make a go of being music of musicians. And she goes, Mercy Me, get a real job. And that's where, <laughs> that's where they came up with the name for their band. Well, she was also the one that said, I can only imagine what's going on right now with yeah. your dad in front of Jesus. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can only imagine. I can yeah. only, huh? There you yeah. Go. Fun yeah. times. Scott uh-huh. Hamilton, thank well, you so much for being a part of this with us today. I really appreciate it. I loved every minute of it. Thanks so much. That's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please rate, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. It helps us out a lot. Thank you guys so much for those of you that have been rating it. I really, really appreciate it. If you would like to follow up with us, we are on Facebook, facebook.com slash John Tesh. We spend most of our time there. We go live all the time. We have a grand old time there. Uh, also, John is on Twitter, uh, at John Tesh. On Instagram, at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard. You can find me at Facebook.com slash Gib Gerard. Or on Instagram and Twitter, at Gib Gerard is my handle. Go ahead and check me out there. I try to respond to every mention, every DM about the show. Uh, it's In fact, I've even had some of the guests that you guys have recommended on the show because I do the show for you guys. So thank you so much for listening.